Welcome, and thanks for tuning in to episode 28 of Odd Man Uncovered. This is your host, Stephen Gloss, drone subject matter expert, consultant, content creator, and instructor for Consortic, an organization purpose to help you and your organization fly drones safely with training and software. This podcast series sets out to seek interesting profiles within the drone industry and discover unique viewpoints on industry development and contributions. With me on today's episode is Chris Anderson. Chris is an experienced drone pilot, drone flight instructor, and also a fellow drone podcaster. He's an industry expert who, in the past six years, has worked with over 7,000 students from around the world, providing instruction in everything from initial drone flight training to real estate, mapping, modeling, public safety, inspections, construction, and more. Today, we'll seek to uncover just how he found his way to his success and get some insights as to what it takes to build a successful drone business. Chris Anderson, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks, Stephen. That's quite the intro. I loved it. I, it's my, I've told people this before. It's my favorite part. It gets me pumped and psyched to talk about a really, really exciting industry. Did you have to go to radio school to get that uh, afternoon drive voice on there for the intro, or is that something that you were able to develop on your own? You know, when I was a kid, anytime I'd watch like a, a baseball game, uh, just sitting there through the monotony of it, I would just impersonate the broadcasters and do my own broadcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's where that came from. So Awesome. Awesome. I like it. <laughs> well, I'm absolutely thrilled that I get the chance to interview a fellow drone podcaster. There aren't many of us to begin with. So with our combined efforts, this should be the best sounding episode I've published yet. So I'm really excited. I'm thinking so. And yeah, I was excited when I found your show. I was like, all right, another new drone show. Like I give them all a listen and make sure I you know keep tabs on everything and I Liked what you're doing, so that's why I reached out and said hello. Yeah, it's it's great. So so let's go ahead and dig in. Before we sure. get to your awesome podcast, which is on episode 91, the last time I checked on iTunes, we need to start from the very beginning. How did you find your way into this industry? Have drones always been a personal passion of yours? Not really. I just wanted to make a podcast, so I was looking for a topic, so I decided to. <laughs> Not at all. No, I uh, actually, it was... Um, yeah, I was doing wedding photography and portrait photography and things before. And then I was just, I was an avid reader. And one night before bed, I read something about a realtor in California using a thing called a drone to capture shots of his high ticket properties on the coastline. And I thought, well, what is that? Did some research and basically made up my mind, like I'm getting one. So the next day I ordered uh, what turned out to be a Phantom 2 cool. and put a GoPro on that baby. And it just, took off from there. So now I don't do any weddings or portraits any longer because the drone side of things has just taken over on the business side. So it's it was just one night before bed just reading about it and deciding like, yeah, this is this sounds fun. It hopefully it works and it did. So since then, yeah, it's it's branched off into the podcast. So no, that was a bad joke saying that I just wanted <laughs> I wanted some content. <laughs> That's hilarious. So before you actually started taking Photo, did photography for weddings? Did you go to school for photography, or you just you just try to figure out everything on your own? Just picked it up on my own. I actually years ago I I picked up a course from the New York. Uh, the name is escaping me now, and the reason is is because I didn't actually do it. It was uh, <laughs> New York photography something or another. It was like an online um, photography school where you sent your work back and forth in the mail, and it was kind of slow. And the reason why I didn't do it is because they sent the media in 
it was either DVD or VHS. I can't remember. Like it oh, was wow. something that I didn't really have any longer. So that was a big barrier once I got it. So it was a waste of about a thousand bucks, but it kind of got me going thinking, well, I spent the money on this. I'm going to figure it out. And so I really started working on it on my own and it just took off from there. So you start taking photos with drones. How did you eventually make that transition to starting your own drone training business? What inspired you to take that, that leap of faith? I had quite a few requests. Well, when I first started off, I'd have people like peeking over my shoulder and kind of, oh, how are you doing that? And how how is that happening and things like that. And just, you know, little questions. I didn't really think too much of it. And then I started getting calls from companies and government organizations asking to show their team what I'm doing and basically give them training. And I thought, well, this there's an opportunity here. I didn't have anybody to train me. Like when I started, it was there was nobody around here. It was just me. And it was a lot of trial and error and a lot of you, you can say wasted time, but it's learning time, right? Where I right. had to, you know, put in the put in the reps to figure out what I was doing, especially with the GoPro and not having a downlink video feed to see what it was looking at. And <laughs> just, yeah, I had that experience. And with those phone calls coming in, I thought like, yeah, there's an opportunity here. So I started doing the one-on-one training and then just light bulb went on one day saying, you know, there's a big world out there and I don't need to be just concentrating on my backyard. May as well share it with everybody. So that's when I branched out online. That's really cool. And I'm sure once you got there, you realized the potential of just where you could go with this business. That must have been a really exciting time for you. Yeah, it's unreal. Like just the amount of people that you can connect with and touch, like it's, you know, thousands of people that I've worked with now already. And I never thought it would be like that. Like I just, (laughs) I, I, I doubted that there would be a need for online training. Like I thought at first I, I assumed, well, people want to be with somebody because that seemed to work the best when I was doing it one-on-one. And then I just, I put it out there and yeah, people really took to it. And I get emails like all the time from people saying like, I've been a pilot for this long already and I watched your stuff and now I feel like I've already made improvements. And of course the new pilots are in the same kind of situation too, but sure. it's, yeah, it's been great. I love it. So what are the, this is sort of a two part question here, but what are the biggest challenges when it comes to building your own drone business? And what are the typical expectations of the students that come to you? Are they more concerned about knowing how to fly drones or is it more of the business aspect of it all, trying to figure out how do I create a sustainable business model with drones? How does that all work? Uh, So the biggest challenge, I guess, would be on the regulatory side. Depending on where you are, you always have to follow the rules of your country. So in the states where you are, it's your part 107. Here in Canada, we have our basic and our advanced licensing system now that came into effect in June. Getting that side of things squared away is difficult. The tests that we have, they're not easy. And to be a commercial operator that has access to a lot of different things, you have to do an online exam as well as a flight test to prove your skill. And it's similar in the UK, and I think Australia is in the same boat too, where you actually have to prove your flight skills. So, And, and you have that in Canada, oh, an actual flight do, test? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I, it's coming for you guys for sure. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it has to be, right? We desperately need it. <laughs> yeah, it's... Because, you know, you pass a test and you might know the regulatory side of things. You might know what to check before you fly. But if you can't fly well, it's big problems, right? So I think the regulatory side of things is is one of the biggest challenges for getting going with your drone business. After that, the flight training and stuff like that, it comes down to commitment and whether you want to put in the time or not. So a lot of the students that I see, um, I'd say it's probably a 50-50 split. There's ones that are looking for just the initial flight training they bought a drone and they want to know, you know, what's the best way to 
to take off, to land, how not to get disoriented, things like that. And then the other half are the ones that want to do real estate or mapping or something specific to say like their role. Like they work at, you know, ABC oil and gas company and they, you know, their supervisor bought them a drone and said, we want you to create maps of our site. They don't know how to do that. So they come to me and get the info that way. So yeah, it's, it's been working out. It's been working out amazing. That's really awesome. I love watching the progress. It's fun. Like I, you start off and you look at someone and, you know, occasionally you pull on your collar like, yeah, yeah, you're right. But then <laughs> after a while, like you see like the progression and it's, it's, I love it. I, I get it. Like I wasn't a teacher, but I, you know, you get it when you watch the teachers that, you know, they, when they're proud of their students and, you know, a variety of things like in sports or at school and all that, it, I really, really enjoy seeing the improvement. Yeah. And that's, like you said, it goes, it goes with anything when it comes to instructing, just getting to see that journey of the student go from beginner to novice to, you know, eventually the master or the expert. That's extremely rewarding. Very. Yeah. It's, uh, and you're right. Like the student becomes the master eventually one day and it's, it's fun to watch. Like I'm, I do my, one of my kids is just about to turn eight and we go flying all the time and I know she's going to be better than me <laughs> in no time. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I have a seven-year-old daughter right now, and we've always played with, like, the little mini tiny helicopters and everything. She just has a blast getting to watch and try it for her for her own self. It's, it's, it is just rewarding in every aspect of it just to, to watch her grow with that, and that, with that skill. It's kind of cool. Yep, for sure. So you've been helping people find their footing within the drone commercial space for well over six years now. Uh, if you look at a timeline, that would put you in practice well before the rollout of the FAA Part 107 regulations. Now, I know that you're based out of Canada, but you're helping people all over the world, and I'm sure that has to include people in the United States as well. So even if you put the FAA aside, if you put regulatory developments across the globe into play here, how have those developments impacted the way that you instruct and mentor individuals with commercial drone aspirations? Yeah, you, you bring up a very good point that I, when I started the drone trainer, I didn't want to be specific to any, to a country. Like I didn't want to just be talking about the Canadian regs and rules or what's going on in the U.S. Like there are a lot of resources out there that are specific to country A or B, right? But I wanted to be open and make my training not specific in that way, but, and not too broad either, but it's specific in learning how to fly and get, you know, what you need to do a certain task. And as the regulations have developed along the way, I've made some tweaks and have a lot of discussions with people in the industry, just talk, finding out what they need in their area and then, you know, creating something specific to it or, you know, speaking about it on the podcast or on the weekly mastermind meetings that I have. Like it's variety of variety of ways, like it's ever adapting, right? If I was still just hammering out the exact same thing that I was (laughs) six years ago, then, you know, I'm going to get surpassed by everyone. right? Right. And it's, it's important just to follow, follow, not follow, but adapt to what's, what's out there in the changing environment. Yeah, and everything you would have been talking about six years ago, if you're still talking about that today, you're <laughs> way behind the the curve as far as how fast this industry is developing. Oh yeah, I was laughing like thinking about the you know the first couple of flights I had and put the GoPro on there and just put the timer on to take a picture every three or five seconds. <laughs> and at first it was just kind of testing it out and hoping and praying to see what I'd get. And then I slowly started developing a method of stand behind the drone and square myself off to the drone and then look at where it was and how it was angled. And then I was getting very good at 
determining what it actually was taking a photo of. So yeah. it was one of those things that you just don't have to do anymore. <laughs> it's yeah, such a, it's crazy such a change now. So is your training more oriented towards getting a – here in the States, it would be a Part 107 license or – is it more geared towards getting licensed to, to operate commercially or are you more focused on the flight training skills and biz, business principles? Uh, it's a mixture of both. And it's not specific to getting your license because like right now in the States, you don't have a 107 flight test. Right. When that comes down the pipe, then I'll probably create some training that is specific to that just to kind of run people through what the process would look like. But for now, yeah, it's the the initial flight training and then like the specifics like mapping, modeling, and then I'm working on something in infrared right now, uh, some training to deploy on that side of things. So That's pretty it's, cool. Yeah, it, you know, there's so many different things you can do and it, I, I can't cover everything, but I can cover the things that I know very well. And, you know, it's that, I think that's the important thing, like just sharing what, what I know and how, what I can pass on to everybody else. And it, it brings up an interesting point that, I, when I first started doing this, I, it was somebody asked like, well, it was even before I started doing the training, but they said, well, everyone's going to have a drone. So you're going to be out of business shortly. <laughs> well, maybe, but everyone has a camera and there's thousands of wedding photographers Yeah, and there's still wedding photographers getting business, right? There's ones that are good getting and there's paid ones very that well are too. very good. <laughs> yeah. And there's ones that are very good. So I kind of think of it that way too. Like everyone's like, well, you're giving up your expertise. You're, you know, you're going to create competition. Well, I don't think so. I would think it's adding to the industry and helping out the community as a whole by having everybody fly safer and better and best practices and stuff like that. And then, you know, I can still put out my excellent product and I still get called and hired by other companies. So it's, I'm not, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not cannibalizing myself. That's right. for sure. <laughs> if anything, you're just diversifying your portfolio, your ca yeah. your capabilities. That's That's a great way to approach it. So from what you've shared thus far, it doesn't sound like your training is a one-size-fits-all approach. So do you tailor your training more towards the specific industry in which people intend to operate within? Yep, I have. So a lot of the online stuff I have right now, it's it's single try or single focus, I guess, like towards real estate or mapping or the initial flight training. But I have done custom training in the past, uh, depending on the skill level that someone comes in at and what they're hoping for as the end result. So I've done a couple of online ones that are specific to uh, certain countries and what their regs were. I did one for India a couple months ago. Oh, that's uh, awesome. There's a couple of companies down there because they had their new rules come into effect early this year, I think. I can't remember when it was, but anyway, long discussions back and forth and they, they had very specific needs. So I created something specific to them. So it's, it's all dependent really on, you know, the market, what they want to come up with. And yeah, it's not just one size fits all because, you know, you could come in with hopes of doing whatever and I'm not going to force you into a direction that you don't want to go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I checked out your website and it looks like you have some awesome online resources, including you've got a comprehensive video instruction course, downloadable materials like a, a drone logbook, a checklist, you got your blogs, and of course, you have your podcast. How do you balance your workload between providing one-on-one -on -one instruction, online instruction, while also providing a plethora of useful online materials? How do you balance all of that? Uh, it's a yeah, it's a it's a definite balancing act. Trying to ensure that I I'm not working, you know, morning till night and then not spending time with my kids. So I want to make sure that you know I I do find that balance, and I do say no to a lot of things. I I get a lot of requests for 
uh, training and work and stuff. But every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. And my no is always spending time with the kids. So I really look at that as, you know, very, very valuable time. So I have my, my set times, like a lot of the website stuff that I do, I take care of that in the middle of the night when everybody's sleeping. Right. But during the day when everybody's awake, like it's, you know, I, I try and keep a healthy balance. Like maybe half the day is doing drone work. The other half is playing with the kids. Right. So it's, uh, it's not easy. Yeah. Some I mean, days I think like I want to <laughs> work all day long cause I got all these things I want to do, but you can't get that time back. I can't, I can't, I can't go back and look at my one-year-old now and be like, oh, I wish we would have done that more. Right. I totally, I have a one-year-old right now as well. And I, I, I have that struggle because I work remotely. So I have the kids, you know, crawling around and running around and screaming and wanting to play with daddy all the time. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, just like you, I've got my work to do. And it's, it's difficult to balance that sometimes because you want to you know, make your mark per se within this industry, but yep. you also want to make sure you you prioritize what really matters. So totally get you there. Exactly. Yep. So getting now onto what I'm really excited about, and I'm sure you have a passion for as well. You've been doing it for 91 episodes now, your drone podcast. (laughs) What inspired you to start that? And what was and has been your mission or purpose for it this entire time? I've always been an avid listener of podcasts and that's how I found yours. Like I'm always searching around looking for new ones to listen to and especially on topic that I'm interested in. Yeah. And I, there was a lot of drone podcasts that I've been listening to for years, like uh, the UAV Digest, for example, and Drone Radio Show. Those are the two that I remember listening to from like years ago, years before I started mine. And I, I just kind of thought like, well, I'd like to start a drone podcast too, but these guys are already doing it a certain way. I want to try and find a different way, like a cover a different topic that they're not necessarily doing. So some of the other podcasts I listen to, they're interview oriented. And I thought, well, what if I talk to drone pilots that are actually doing the work? Not the CEO of the company who doesn't fly, but the pilot that's actually doing the work. So I ran a couple of test episodes just to see. And yeah, there was interest. I started getting emails from people saying like, this is good stuff, like keep going. And yeah, the rest is pretty much history. And <laughs> as as for the goal for what I do, I just enjoy sharing, you know, sharing people's stories and then finding out. Like it's a big, it's a learning process. I'm the host, but I still learn something every time I talk to somebody. Absolutely. Be it, be it that they're commercial pilots or if they're flying recreationally, they might have a tip on how to edit something. Like something that, you know, I haven't thought of yet. So the ability to share that from, you know, sitting in my office and talking into my microphone with anybody around the world that has access to audio, it's it's quite powerful and amazing. So I, I really enjoy it. And I think to your point, what's really cool is that even if you speak to, even if it's two remote pilots that are working for the same company on the same mission, their experiences could be vastly different and what they bring to the table could be just as valuable from both sides. So I, Absolutely. I'm sure you see that at your company as well too. Yeah. Every single person you talk to has a unique story to share and that always adds value to the, to the conversation, especially when it comes to building trust and showing the good that drones are doing right now. So I think it's I agree. well worth it. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, my family supports me on this too. It was funny. A couple year ago, I, about a year ago, at one of my daughter's school projects, they had to write like about mommy and daddy and what their jobs were and stuff. And she wrote podcaster. <laughs> that's I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> that's really cool. So I'm going to be a little selfish here with this question and get some insights that are hopefully not only interesting to everybody listening, but 
really, this is more so for me, <laughs> helpful for building me personally with a successful drone podcast. You've been doing this for nearly two years now. How have you managed to be able to consistently release content that's valuable and that offers something for just something that your audience wants to listen to week after week? How, how have you been able to do that? Discipline has been a big part of it. And just knowing that if I was on the other end listening, if I didn't get my episode on Wednesday, I'd probably be a little bit ticked. So <laughs> I, I just kind of thought like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to pick my day that these come out and I just going to stick to it. And it's worked out quite well. And I initially thought like maybe I'd, you know, start putting out filler or something like that if I absolutely had to. And I, you know, which I didn't want to do at all. But so far I've found that the more the podcast grows, the more people reach out to me and the easier it is. Like at the start when I'd reach out saying, hey, I got a drone podcast. I'd like to have you on. People are kind of like, well, never heard of you. So right. yep. I'm I've good. Run into that plenty of times already. <laughs> yeah, but then that, that'll change, right? You'll get, you'll have, you know, people reaching out and stuff like that. So it's been a matter of just trying to stay consistent. And I've, you know, tried to ensure the quality. I look at everybody that I want to have as a guest and see, are you going to be, do you, do you fit with this? Or are you going to be easily relatable? Everybody that listens, listens to somebody and puts themselves in their shoes thinking, how does, how, how did I react when I was in that situation? Or how can I react when I get in that situation based off of what they hear on the show, right? So yeah. I've wanted to yeah, make sure that I get, you know, quality guests on people that are actually flying. Um, I've been lucky, like, I think this morning, episode 92 went out and I have only recorded one that I didn't publish. Wow. And I've, yeah, I've been very, very lucky so far. And it was, it wasn't that the content was bad. It was just that we, the language barrier between uh, me and the other person, it was just, it was too great. And I just didn't want to, I had a hard time. I was struggling with it a little bit, trying to understand exactly what the, where the conversation was going. And I just didn't want to force that onto anybody else. Like if you're listening for entertainment, then that's great. If you're listening to learn, then that's really good. But if you really have to fight it to try and figure out what's being said, it's probably not, yeah. probably not the best, best circumstance. It's not something that's really going to captivate an audience either. No, no. So yeah, I think one out of 92, that's, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. It's almost getting to that century mark. That's really, really exciting. It is. I'm working right now to try and figure out who I want to ask to be the hundredth <laughs> guest. Like I, you know, some shows might do like a, a rewind and show and put clips and stuff. I've kind of thought of that idea, but I also thought too, like, why don't I ask somebody that's yeah seemingly out of reach and see if I can get them on the show? So we'll That'd see. Be pretty cool. Best of luck to you. Really excited yeah. to listen to it. Thanks. When it comes to listening to podcasts like these, from your own personal viewpoint, what is the value you gain from both creating and listening to drone podcast content? Well, the ideas are one thing, but if you don't act on them, it's just entertainment. So I think that you can you can gather a whole bunch of information and then if you take action on it, it's great. And what I find with podcasts too is you're listening to people that are in a similar situation that you are on the business side or life side or whatever. Like sounds like you and me have the kids that are exact same age. So like yeah. we're we like drones, so we're we're connecting well here, right? And that's pretty cool. When you hear from somebody that's on a similar wavelength to you and they're doing something you like, like I find it really lights a fire and it gets you going and it makes you want to try new things or update your website or do something different on Instagram or go and try those new flight moves. Like it, it really, it's good incentive to keep going and keep growing. So I really, 
yeah, I love podcasts. They're excellent. And I just enjoy giving, you know, what I can to the community via the podcast. And I love what you're doing with yours as well, too. Like you're, you know, up to 28 now with me. That's, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. You're doing great. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's just refreshing to be able to get this, to get weekly information like this out week by week, just to show the world. I mean, obviously, I don't have billions of subscribers listening, but for for our little world, right? We have our little little niche pockets of people that we network with. It's it's a big deal to just be able to listen and just hear what's going on and to get these new viewpoints. And I think that's that's worth doing every week. Yes, absolutely. So getting back to the drone business side of things, what would be your best tidbits of advice for those aspiring to implement the use of drones into their own business models? I think training is the number one thing you have to look at because we're beyond the day now of just going to the store and picking up a drone, opening the box and letting it rip. Like there are a lot of resources out there, be it online or in person that you're foolish not to take advantage of. And, you know, there's a lot of people that will never read the manual no matter what they're doing. They'll just, you know, they buy a thing and they turn it on, right? But right. <laughs> with aviation, it's it's quite dr- different because there's so many rules and you can cause in- serious injury to yourself or somebody else if you do something wrong. So I think it's it's important to start with training and then really look at what your goal is. Like even before you buy a drone, think, what's my goal? Is it just to fly a drone? Well, then fly recreationally, right? Or do I need to capture certain data from my job? Can I do it any other way? Maybe. Is it safer? Maybe not. I don't want to send somebody up there. Can I send a drone up there? Yeah, sure. There's a variety of ways to to look at it. I think it's, you know, task by task, you need to make an assessment whether it's something that you can find a use for. Don't just go and buy a drone because it's the new thing and it's the buzzwords and everyone's talking about drones and you feel like you're going to miss out figure out if it really is going to help your task right yeah like i i spoke with somebody that was trying to um they were they were cutting down trees and what they wanted to do is attach a rope to the drone and then tie it around the tree <laughs> and then use that when they toppled the tree to pull it down and i was like well <laughs> that's not going to work but they did it right. anyway and then they came back they're like it didn't work it i'm didn't like work. i told you it wasn't going to work <laughs> yeah so yeah i think yeah getting back to it training is key no matter what you're going to do with it learn how to fly properly and safely and under your regulatory environment. And that will definitely help you get on the path to success. Yeah. I think as regulations continue to evolve and just as drones become more integrated with the commercial airspace, I do feel like that, I guess that, that precipice, that, that cliff of where the public perception of drones finally takes that dramatic shift. I think we might finally get there that people will start to realize, Oh, drones aren't just these toys that you take out of a box and fly. Like these are, these are machines that need to be taken seriously and that can have a dramatic impact on the way we live our lives. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're on the same page with me on that, but I think we are getting closer to that mark. I think we are too. Like there are definite toys out there and then there are ones that are super fun to fly, but they have a great purpose too. And I think, yeah, the shift is definitely coming now. Like when I first started flying it, like it was a showstopper. Like people are just like, what is that? What are you doing? And now, <laughs> yeah. now just, people just walk by like whatever, yeah. right? Uh, another drone who cares, right? So right. it's, there is, there is that shift for sure. So when you look at the, where the industry is today, the number of people here just in the States who have a part 107 license, it's climbing at a, an astounding level. Just as of July, 2018, the FAA reported that the number 
of FAA certified pilots was over 100,000. With that, the commercial marketplace for drones is becoming really crowded. So with your advice, how does a drone entrepreneur stand out? Does it make more sense to get some experience flying for a bigger company before you try to go solo? What would you recommend? The idea of flying with a bigger company, like there are those companies that will offer you jobs, um, like predetermined jobs. You don't have to do any of the sales or anything like that. That can be attractive, but I'm a big fan of being able to use the work that you've done in your portfolio. And I know a lot of those won't let you do that. So you might get stuck in a rut of doing those forever if you don't start doing things on your own. So I'm a fan of going on your own or with a partner or something like that where you can, you know, start hitting the pavement and everything you create, you have the right to use again because it's, especially with drones, it's one of those things where you can say you can do some stuff, but everyone (laughs) wants you to show them. That's right. Like, show me what you're going to make for me, right? So if you have nothing to show, it's tough. So I think being able to have your, have your rights to your own work is a great idea. So even though there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of pilots out there, Back to the wedding reference, there's hundreds of thousands of wedding photographers too, Yeah. but certain ones still get the work and it's because they do excellent work. So if you can do some great work, it's going to come, it's going to take time, right? Like if you don't have a photo editing background or a video editing background or a GIS background, it's going to take time. But once you start, you know, showing your track record and your consistency, then I think that that's going to pay off exponentially versus just continuing to do one-offs, for example, with another company or working with another company, like it's, it's, it's beneficial. It's stressful. <laughs> don't jump, don't quit your day job tomorrow and then just decide right. that you're going to be a drone pilot, right? Like find, find out what's working and what's not working and really look at your local market too. It's just because something is working for someone you see online in a different market doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you where you are. So you really have to look and see what industry you have and what the real estate market looks like, for example, if you're going to be doing that. Um, Is it all apartments and crowded like urban area? Well, is a drone going to work for that? Not necessarily on the real estate side of things, right? But there could be other things. I know a lot of the work that I do is future view panoramas. So when they're building a new uh, residential tower, they'll take shots, well, they, I do it, take shots from certain levels so that people can see what their view would look like from That's whatever cool. floor yeah. if they bought there. So you just have to think and look at your market and decide what's there and what can I do. And then, you know, it's easy to say be better than everybody else, but it's true. Just, you know, keep putting in the consistent effort to keep pushing yourself. Don't just be happy with where you are. Just keep, keep trying to increase your skills and you will, well, like it's hard to say will, but... <laughs> You know, you put in the effort and if you don't put in the effort, you're definitely not getting anywhere, right? Yeah, but it's really good to have that attitude. It's important to have that confidence going in that you're going to be successful. You you have to have that mindset. I agree. Yeah, you have to set yourself up for success. If you think like this isn't going to work, then it's probably not going to work. But if (laughs) you go in with the attitude saying it's going to work, like you're going to find a way and you're not going to give up on it easily. So I agree that you need to have that correct mindset at the start. I think a lot of it goes back to also what you had, you were talking about with, with podcasting and finding success there. It all really boils down to discipline and consistency. And regardless of what you're doing to finally be able to be the best, to have the, you know, the acclaims and the track record to, to get to that point, you've got to just rely on that discipline. And I think that that speaks volumes to 
regardless of what industry you're in, that's, that's where you find success. Yes, I agree. So this is sort of the, the final question for you as we wrap up the show. It's sort of the, the way that I end almost every show. I like to get a look at the future and the insights personally from each person I talk to as to what that might look like. So what are you most excited for when it comes to what the future of the industry might look like? I'm most excited for what someone's going to think of that we haven't thought of yet. And it like we can talk about drone delivery and a variety of other things and, you know, things that we've already heard of, things that we're already discussing that are potential. But there's still somebody that's going to think up something that we haven't thought of yet. And right. that's really interesting, like be it via their experience or whatever, that they're going to come up with the idea. And like, I don't know where things are going to go other than up, right? Like things aren't going to get worse than they are now. But yeah. the uh, like the capabilities of the drones are going to keep increasing. And as they increase, the ideas are going to keep flowing. And I think we're like, we've, we've only touched the tip of the iceberg on this. I think it's Randall Warnes from his Fleer Delta podcast where he talks about drones, where he says like the Phantom series drones is like the VHS tape or something like that, right? Like it's, <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just starting crazy. out. Yeah, we're yeah. just starting out, right? So <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be, but I just, I like I'm a news junkie when it comes to drone stuff. I am always reading headlines and articles and I always, I'm always keeping tabs on what's out there. And I'm just amazed at the things that do come up and I'm just, you know, there's going to be something that's going to come in the next year. Or so I bet that someone's going to think of that. Everyone else goes, ah, that, that's it. It's not getting a donor by drone. <laughs> that's a, that's a cool thing. It, I don't I think mean, that's going to be the, I don't think that's going to be the thing though. Yeah. It might be part of the future, but it's not going to yeah. be, yeah. The, the sole feature of it. Yeah. And it's going to keep us on our toes. I mean, when we're looking to interview different people and talk about different topics on, you know, on drones. <laughs> if you look at what next month might even hold that, that soon, who knows what we might be talking about. So that's, that's what's exciting for me. Yeah. It's just the rapid pace that it's going at, like starting as early as I did. Like I occasionally speak with someone that's, you know, flown longer than I have and it's awesome, but you started getting fewer and fewer pilots then. But now with the amount of people that are into it and how far the technology has advanced in just a couple of years, like it's, we're, we're really in for some awesome <laughs> times. And it's not all just like marketing mumbo jumbo. Like there's a lot of great tasks you can do with these things and like oh, realistic things, right? Yeah. So it's, I'm, I, I, I can't wait to see what's going to come. And I think my way. absolute favorite part of drones are the stories that you hear where like a drone actually legitimately helped save somebody's life. And I think when you yeah, those hear are those sort of stories. stories, that 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 just brings it all, all into 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 one package where you just can't deny the the benefits of drones and what they offer. Yeah, Romeo Dersher from DJI, he's constantly tweeting about that, like public safety work with drones, and yeah, it's great to see the good things that are going on, like on the fire side and the police side, like finding missing people and you know getting to disasters earlier than later it's yeah there yeah there's a lot of great work being done and it's great to have voices like that that yeah. are help sharing the helping to share the info and that's why i was so happy to get you on this show today chris it's just great to, like you said to the more voices we have just shouting for the mountaintops about what drones are doing and how they're you know the, the whole drones for good campaign as long as everybody keeps pushing that the future is going to be really really awesome Yes, that's that's for sure. 
Well, I want to thank you, Chris, for being on the show and especially for your willingness to take a break from hosting your own podcast and taking the time to be a guest on mine. I'd love the chance to maybe reverse roles someday and get the chance to be on yours soon. But either way, it's been a true pleasure having you on today. Absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to come on. That was that was great. Thanks for the invite. So with that, do you have any closing comments? Training is important. <laughs> and start your own <laughs> podcast based on whatever you want. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, I want to thank everyone for listening to this week's episode of On Man Uncovered. Again, this is Stephen Gloss, your host, a drone subject matter expert, consultant, content creator, and instructor for consorting, an organization purpose to help you and your organization fly drones safely with training and software. Want to learn more about how drones can improve your business? Reach out to me and my partners at Consortic and we'll show you the way. Remember that Unman Uncovered is available on Apple Podcasts, so be sure to subscribe so you can stay updated on the latest releases and download episodes to take with you wherever you go. And don't forget to check out my Facebook page by searching for Unman Uncovered, like the page, and follow me week by week for the drone industry's most intriguing profiles. I'd love to hear your feedback and recommendations for these and future episodes, so feel free to leave comments or questions via Facebook or LinkedIn. I'm also always looking for candidates to interview for future episodes, so if you or someone you know might be interested, be sure to reach out. That's all for this week. Stay tuned for next week's edition, and until next time, safe flying, everyone.